You're listening to highlights from One Planet Podcast's interview with Mike Davis, CEO of Global Witness. As an organization, Global Witness has to take security risks extremely seriously. Uh, We encounter quite a range of threats to our work, and some of those take the form of cyber attacks, and we are regularly threatened with lawsuits by powerful companies and individuals who who don't like the scrutiny that we place them under. But far and away, the most serious category of threats is to those we work with in fragile and sometimes dangerous parts of the world. There are occasions where our own staff find themselves at direct physical risk, if you like, and we uh, devote a lot of attention to ensuring that we can keep them as safe as possible. But the reality is, in most cases, it's our partners, it's individuals who might be assisting us with investigations who face the highest risks because they frankly don't have the privileges that most of we do. They don't, uh, most of us do. They don't have foreign passports and the potential backing of powerful governments to get them out of trouble. And that's something we have to take very seriously indeed. And so quite a lot of our work in countries where defenders, activists, our partners might be exposed to these kind of risks that's taking place is based around ensuring that we can protect them to the maximum extent possible and that we have ways of of assisting them if they, they do get exposed to danger. We have done work to expose the way in which taxpayers' money in Europe is being used quite wrongly to extend the life of the big oil industry as it seeks to reposition itself as the uh, purveyors of of fossil gas. Um, They've done a tremendously effective job, the oil and gas industry, that is, of persuading policymakers that they're offering this um, essential climate-friendly bridging fuel called gas which is a complete myth because actually it's driving us closer to our planetary limits. And in actual fact, if you uh, look at the IPCC analysis, if you want to stay within the the realms of a maximum 1.5 degree temperature rise, uh, we actually need to reduce production and consumption of gas by 40% over the next decade. So we would like to think we're doing an effective job at at, at challenging this myth that that gas is the answer. And we've been calling out the EU in particular on the wasteful and rather suspect way in which it's been allocating taxpayers' money to investment in more gas infrastructure, which would cement our addiction to gas for decades to come. And we actually published a report last year which showed that of the 4 billion euros which has gone to gas infrastructure subsidies, almost 90% of that went to gas companies from one industry association, which actually has a formal seat at the table in deciding on how the subsidies are allocated. And this corporate capture is something which we really need to challenge. Another example of us holding uh, big oil and gas to account is the work which we've been doing, investigating uh, a horrendous corruption scandal affecting Nigeria, in which two of the biggest oil and gas companies around Shell and also the Italian state-owned oil company, Eni, actually handed over $1.1 billion in what was essentially a bribe to a former oil minister who was also a convicted money launderer in order to gain control of one of Nigeria's most lucrative offshore oil blocks. And because of the work of us and our partners in Nigeria uh, and also Italy as well, We have succeeded in instigating a criminal investigation into this case, which is currently running through a trial in Milan right now, which we think may produce verdicts on former Shell executives and some serving any executives by the end of this month. 
And we think this is really important because this shows the true character of the fossil fuel industry interests that we're facing up against. This is not a group of, of companies and interests that can be trusted, shouldn't be allowed anywhere near the decision-making process around our energy choices, our efforts to counter climate change. I think the first thing to say is that we are optimists. We, we would not be in this if we weren't very hopeful. And we believe that there are the signs there that we could, as often talk of a tipping point in climate debates of a rather doom-laden and negative nature, but we could actually be quite close to the tipping point where there is enough concerted global action powered by the hope and the desire of, of ordinary citizens to cut through these malign political and corporate forces and get us on a pathway where, yes, some damage has been done, is being done, and it's very serious because it affects people in all sorts of vulnerable parts of the world. But where we could, we could yet contain this and, and manage it. And I think in a sense, the global response to the, the horrors of the COVID pandemic, you know, grim experience, so that is, it, it, it is in some ways a hopeful illustration of what can be done when there's concerted demand from citizens um, that governments have to respond to for immediate action rather than foot dragging. And we also believe that, that there are many stories of hope in the work that we do to try to uh, project and amplify the, the voices and experiences of those on the front lines, those I referred to earlier as land and environmental defenders, who are the ones who in many cases are defending vital biospheres for the rest of us uh, and our planet in the face of, of very high risk. So I, I think you're right, it's very important to draw attention to the grounds for optimism and to that end we're very encouraged by what we see as an increasingly competitive position of renewable energies where they can and are proving that they can outperform fossil fuels we think that's why it's the role of some groups not least ourselves to to cut through the political and corporate capture related barriers that the fossil fuels industry is putting up but that is real grounds for hope and we also draw attention to this abuse of as we do because we actually think it's really important in order to, to have people in a state where they feel optimistic and empowered to, to get away from this idea which fossil fuel interests like to put about, that insofar as there is a climate breakdown, it's all our fault as individuals and it's all about our choices as individuals and as consumers. And of course, to some extent it is, but the data suggests that actually far and away the, the biggest source of emissions is a very small number of fossil fuel companies which don't want change and will use any means, any sort of misinformation in order to distract us from that. And in some cases make us feel guilty and depressed instead of feeling, feeling both hopeful on the one hand and ready and empowered to challenge them on the other. And that's what we want to contribute to. I think Brexit has, in a way, the reality of it has, has crept up on us. It's like many of us have been living with this nightmare since, since the vote in 2016. And, and, and at the time, uh, I was actually living far away from this. I was living in Cambodia, watching from the other side of the world as, as my country made this sort of tragically self-defeating decision to seemingly downscale its, uh, its worldview and its influence. And now, of course, we're actually there. We're actually out of the European Union. We're still trying to figure out what that means. We want to work very hard as an organisation which, yes, has most of its staff in the UK, but also has colleagues based in, in the US, uh, in Brussels and other parts of the world to work harder to be a truly global organisation. And of course, part of that is making sure that we continue to maintain strong friendships and alliances with, with partners and groups and relationships with decision makers too in, in the European Union. It's now being put to the test. 
but we do think there are some things that we can use to, at least in the short term, mitigate that, that significant set of disadvantages. And coming back to the issue of global climate action, of course, this year, coincidentally, we have the UK hosting the G7 summit and much more importantly, the, the COP26 summit at the end of this year. And that is an opportunity to, to try to persuade a not very environmentally enlightened government that it needs to take a lead. Um, it needs to show some leadership on the global stage or it's going to look truly ridiculous. And that is an opportunity which we're doing our best to take, for example, through work which we're doing at the moment to persuade lawmakers in the UK that the post-Brexit law, which they need to create governing issues to do with the environment, needs to include really strong provisions to do with the UK's international imprint on tropical forests, its its deforestation footprint, if you like. We're working really hard on that. Because I'm an optimist, I, I tend not to dwell on the idea that they might not be around for future generations. But yeah, I've been very fortunate through my work to visit and work in and try to play a role in saving the ecosystems in some very beautiful parts of the world and there aren't any where I can look back and say my contribution was especially pivotal but I've, I've had some level of involvement in wider efforts and I, I think of years I spent where I was able to regularly do investigative forays into remote forested areas in Cambodia, staggeringly beautiful tropical forest and, and, and quite awe-inspiring as well because when you're actually in, inside a forest you realize that it's not necessarily what you'd expect. The, the sheer all-encompassing feel of it, you're in a, it's a sort of separate microclimate, you literally step out of it back onto a road and, and, it, and it feels different, it feels hotter and a lot of that actually was also time spent, we used to do this about once a month, we would rent a small plane uh, a Cessna and fly it for several hours at a time over over the forest trying to look for signs of illegal logging and which you could often pick up not just by gaps in the canopy but also smoke from um, fires um, set by the loggers and that was an amazing privilege too I saw these stunningly beautiful landscapes from a particular vantage point I usually had the seat at the back of the plane we would take the side off the plane it would just be me and my seatbelt holding me in and looking out over these amazing vistas and because I have very pale skin I would end end the day one of, after one of these overflights with one side of my face the right hand side very red and sunburnt and the other as pale as it was when I set out which yeah was a rather sort of peculiar look and and also work which I've done in 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 places that are you know, currently sadly very troubled but, but stunningly beautiful and thinking of parts of eastern democratic republic of congo for example absolutely extraordinary landscape you know, this is the area not far from where you have these precious habitats for mountain gorillas for example and many others as well but yeah i am an optimist i i, I don't think it's too late it it fills me with outrage when I see these places being despoiled and, and destroyed, and particularly when it's done on the basis of such fundamental injustices, which we have to address as part of our response to climate change. But yeah, I, I, I believe in those places and I believe in our, our, our planet and its future, and I believe in, in, in our collective power as citizens to um, be optimistic, but also be empowered and, and, and confront those interests which are, are stopping us getting the action that we need from our governments. It's a big challenge, but I believe that we can do it. And I feel very inspired and lucky to work for an organisation which plays a part in doing that. And when I think about my daughter and my son and what awaits them, 
yeah, I, I don't dwell on the negative. I, I, I think that they will have much of the same natural riches to, to look forward to enjoying um, and benefiting from. We hope you've enjoyed this program. If you'd like to get involved with One Planet Podcast or learn more about environmental projects, click on subscribe. Thank you for listening.